you. Thank you. <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome. You guys, I, I love uh, this church. I love coming together. I'm so excited. I woke up this morning excited to be with you, to share what God's put on my heart uh, today. But uh, I just thought it was so cool as we're singing, amen means yes. And so we are the yes and the amen in Christ. <laughs> he is doing great things, wonderful things, powerful things. And that's God's goal, to bless. <laughs> and he's blessing. So praise God that we can be here together. Well, if you've missed uh, any of the last few weeks, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of the messages if you've missed because uh, this whole series is really important to us at Rimrock Church because we believe God has burdened us and called us to certain things as Rimrock Church, that God has given us a specific strategy, a specific calling for this local part, group of believers. We started this series talking about church and um, <clears throat> we believe that church is not our idea, it's God's idea. Because he revealed it to us in the word of God. We believe in the authority of the scriptures. We believe God has spoken through his Holy Spirit. He inspired men to write and to understand the will and the revelation of God. And so we believe in the word of God. We believe in the spirit of God, that he is active and moving and powerful and, and he is in us and among us. And so when we talk about the church, we talk about this being God's idea and that we are his dwelling place, that God's idea and goal has been from the very beginning to dwell with his people and he is dwelling with his community his people and that the church is his bride that he loves us and he uh, gave his life for us that he has a desire and a plan to uh, culminate all of human history in a glorious wedding celebration <laughs> and uh, what a, I just love that God is painted the, the picture of his ultimate goal as a, as a party, as a huge celebration of him and his love and his relationship with his people. And the church is his body. He doesn't have a plan B. His plan is to work through his people, through his word and through the Holy Spirit to bring about his work and his will in this world. We are his hands and his body and his feet here in this world to be his ambassadors, to be his witnesses, to be his representatives in this world. And so as a church, it's about people. It's not about the building or the organization. It's God's choosing and calling of us together through his word and by his spirit. And then we looked, and I don't know if uh, we have that picture, Levi, of the, the circles, but as a church, we're, we're really believing at the very core and the center of all of our focus, all of our attention needs to be on God himself. Because none of us have life within ourselves. We believe the source of all that is good, all blessing, all life, all, everything that we need and want in this world is found in God himself. One God. But he's revealed himself in three persons. Jesus came as the son of God to reveal who God is. And he's revealed that there's a father and that there is a Holy Spirit. And all three as one God is what we most need. And so we believe as a church that our primary focus, our primary goal is God himself. That's why he's at the very center. And if you go back and listen to what Nick shared, that this needs to be true of us individually. Each of us needs to die to ourselves, deny ourselves, and allow God to take first place, um, to learn to love God with all our heart, our soul, and strength. But as we do that, that affects all of our other relationships. And we believe it's so beautiful that God has revealed himself as three in one. 
because in that we see perfect love. When we say God is love, he is demonstrating that in the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you read John 13 through 17, you see this beautiful picture where the Son glorifies the Father. He says, I don't do my will, but the will of my Father. And he says the Spirit comes not to bring glory to himself, but to bring glory to the Son. And so what you see is perfect sacrificial love and glory for the other. And so this becomes the source of all of our understanding of ourselves and our relationship with others and how we live and move and have our being in this world. It starts with God. And if God is at the very center, then our greatest purpose, our greatest goal as human beings is to worship, is to worship him, to glorify him because there is nothing more beautiful, more worthy, more deserving of our praise, more deserving of our lives. He is the ultimate picture and person receiving what we were created for, receiving our blessing, our love, our joy, our relationship. And he is the source of power and significance and truth. He is the source of all that is beautiful and created. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the ruler of all things. He has dominion and power over all things. And when we begin to realize that, we find that he is good. And he uses that dominion and power not to harm, but to bless and to heal and to save. And so, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, so that God may be all in all. So that God may be all in all. And that's what we believe at Rimrock Church should be our ultimate purpose, our ultimate goal as a people, is to see God for who he is in being all in all. And then we looked, as we look at these circles, if that is the core and the center of, of why we exist and why we're here and what we do as a church, and then we look at what Jesus has revealed because when he came as the Son of God, as the representative of God's glory, as said in, in Colossians 1, we begin to see Jesus lived a very intentional life and he had intentional relationships. And we talked about Peter and how Jesus chose the 12 disciples and how Peter, in a sense, becomes a representative of what God is doing in our lives. That it says Jesus wanted his disciples. He wanted to be with them. He wanted a relationship with them. And God looks at you and he wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He's called you. And not only to be in relationship, but to be transformed by him. And then he gave Peter a significant mission. I have called you to be a fisher of people, to be a fisher of men. And so we too have a significant calling and part and purpose in God's kingdom. And then we looked last week at, at that second circle and Boomer shared, uh, Pastor Boomer, about the family. Because these are relationships that God wants to use in our lives to work out love. And I, I love how, P, how Boomer boiled it down to the fact that God is using these relationships to show us how selfish we are, <laughs> how much we need God, and how much we need to learn to love, right? And so Boomer did a great job helping us see that picture and that purpose that God has for the family and marriage and parenting. But if you're here and you say, well, I'm not married and I don't have kids, it's okay. <laughs> because you are just as much part of God's purpose and plan. And you don't need marriage or family to work that out. God has called a new family, the church and the community, that he is working out love as well. And that is what we're going to talk about today. So after Boomer shared last week about uh, how as parents we're to be intentional with our kids, God gave me 
a homework assignment <laughs> this past week. So I was in my house sweeping the floor, and my youngest son, Asher, is four years old, asked me a question. He said, Dad, why is the world unfair? <laughs> why isn't the world fair? And I thought, wait a minute, whoa, that's profound. But I began to pray. I said, Spirit of God, fill me. Give me the words, because this is an opportunity. This is a divine opportunity to talk about what matters most. And so I got this opportunity to share the message about Jesus, <laughs> why he came into the world to save us. But it was interesting, after he asked that question, immediately came to my mind, because like you, over the past week, maybe you've been hearing snippets of something that's happening in our country. There's been a, a trial happening in our Senate, and, and, and we need to pray. Pray for our president, pray for our leaders, don't we? But one thing that's caught my attention out of that is I've just caught snippets here and there. Over and over, I've heard this phrase, we just want fair. We just want a fair trial. And then I've also heard it's not fair. I've heard that over and over from every side. But then I thought about what my son had said. Dad, why isn't the world fair? It's the same question. It's the same concern because all of us as human beings realize that we live in a broken world, but we long for fairness. We long for what's right. We long for justice, but we don't see it. We don't experience it. And we're seeing that as a nation, but we know that in our families. We know that personally. And my four-year-old son knows that, that life is not fair, but he wants to know why. What is God doing about it. And so I got to talk about Jesus because God saw the condition of the world. He saw the injustice. He saw the disappointment. He saw the destruction that's happened to human beings and human relationships. He saw our condition and he didn't condemn us. He loved us. That's why Jesus came in this world because he didn't want to leave us that way. He wanted to change us. He wanted to make something new. And so I got to tell my son, God's going to make a new world that is fair. And that's what Jesus is doing. That's why he came. And that's why he went to the cross. If you think about it, the cross is the most important thing for us as Christians. Because it's at the cross that God's revealed himself as love. Because Jesus didn't deserve to die. <laughs> he was innocent. His blood was pure. It was clean. He had never committed one wrong thing. In fact, he had only given and blessed. But there he was, dying a criminal's death. And so we see God's love. He didn't wait for us to get better, to do better. He loved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And so we see the love of God, but we also see the justice of God. You see, God cannot leave sin unpunished. He is just, and I am so thankful he is just. I would hate to live without justice. We need justice. We long for justice. We want justice. And God is just. And so at the cross, we do not see sin unpunished. We see sin punished. But the mercy of God was that I should have been there because I've sinned. I've fallen short of God's glory. There is so much selfishness and corruption in me and in you and our world. But where I should have been, Christ took my place. He died for me. He died for you. We see the love of God, but we see the justice of God. Because at the cross, we see the wrath of God was poured out. It was poured out. Where there is sin, there must be justice. And we see in the cross this meeting place, this point in human history where God fully reveals his love and his justice. But the story doesn't end there. And I got to tell my son this. 
is Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the grave. Because I, I hate to break it to you guys, but we all have a terminal disease. <laughs> We're all headed towards death. It's inevitable. Every single one of us will face death. But here's the good news. Jesus faced death and he overcame it. He defeated it. <laughs> He's starting something new. That's why we say unashamedly that we're born again. <laughs> the old life is gone. The new life has begun. And so God is creating something new and he's starting with you. And he's starting with me. He's starting in us. He's creating a new world that's based on love and justice where every right, where every wrong will be made right and everything will be as it should be. And so God is doing that. I got to tell my son that story and I get to share that with you and, and God wants to use you to share that story with someone this week. Let us not be ashamed because it is a glorious story and a world of brokenness and hurt and saying it's not fair. We can say God is working. He's moving. He's creating something new. This morning, we're going to be talking about the community because I think God's working this story out in us together in our relationships. And so I would like uh, to ask you to stand in honor and respect for God's word. And uh, we're going to be reading in Acts 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can look on the screen. And we're going to start in uh, verse 42. And so this is the early church and Jesus has resurrected and he's given the Holy Spirit just as he has promised. And he came as a wind and with fire. And now we're seeing the fruit of God's presence and how he is working in the community of people who love Jesus. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You may be seated. What a beautiful picture of the church. And so the question we're asking this morning is why community? But I also kind of want to pose, is this possible? <laughs> is this so ideal that we can't experience it? Um, I think it is. I think this is a, a pattern that, that God has set into motion. And I don't think it's up to us. I think God makes it possible. <laughs> I think the Holy Spirit makes it possible with us. But I want to stop before we dig deep into the community aspect, look at something that's really important um, that, that ma makes this possible, is that God is transforming each one of us individually. He's transforming each one of us individually, which allows us to love others in the community. It allows, others, allows us to love others in the community. That's why we have to start with God. This can't start with us. Because if this is up to us, we will fail. <laughs> I can guarantee it. But if God is in us, if he is for us, then it says the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, if he lives within us, it is possible. It is possible to love. I think there's something going on today. Is there a big event today? <laughs> I see Mason back there with a Chiefs jersey. I love it. 
So there's something going on. And I think there's a big irony in what's happening today in our culture. I've noticed um, as an American that we, um, and there's a good side to this, but there's a very dark side that as consumers, there, there's something very powerful about consumerism. And at its very core, it puts us at the middle, at the center saying, I want, I need, I can get what I need and want. I can choose. Uh, if you take consumerism to its logical conclusion, you get terrible things like abortion, where it says, my choice trumps everything else. It's very dangerous. It, it destroys. But what we see this afternoon will be a great celebration of consumerism, right? We're, we're going to see commercials made, millions of dollars spent to try to grab our attention, right? To get us to choose or want different things. But the irony with it is, on the field, something totally different is happening. <laughs> I've, I've, it's been interesting uh, over the years that I've listened to athletes talk is they get this. 99% um, of them, when they're asked after the game, they won't talk about themselves. They'll celebrate their teammate. They'll say, did you see what that person did? Or I'm so thankful for, for, for what my team did. You see, on the field, they understand it's not about them. They understand sacrifice. They understand giving their all, not for their own glory, but for a greater glory. You see, the challenge for us as human beings is because of sin, we are selfishly consumeristic, meaning it's about me and what I want, what I need, my preference, my agenda, my way. <laughs> and the reality is relationships challenge that, right? That's why when Boomer talked about marriage and parenting, it brings it out, right? But it also, any relationship we have, any person we come in contact with or go deeper with, Eventually, there will be a clash because we have our way that we think is right, that we want. And so God has a way to address that. And it's the power of his transforming work. And this is why Jesus came. So I thought of a man in the Bible where we see this. His name is Zacchaeus. <laughs> you maybe know the song, a wee little man, right? Short guy, right? But Zacchaeus was pretty smart. He figured out how to get ahead in a very complicated, difficult world. And he said, you know what? I don't care about anyone else. I'm going to make money in this world. I'm going to get ahead. And he was willing to do that at the expense of others. He is the ultimate consumer. Because he figured out that as a tax collector, he could get a, a piece of Rome's pie for himself, even though he was a Jew. In a sense, he betrayed all his other relationships. He betrayed his family. He betrayed everyone else for his own good, for what he wanted. And so he was very rich. He was very wealthy, but he was also very lonely. And he knew he had a need. He knew he was missing something. He knew that money wasn't buying love or relationship. It wasn't filling his heart. And that's the great lie that Satan brings is that somehow money or material possessions can somehow fill our hearts, but it doesn't. And Zacchaeus knew it didn't. And so he wanted to see Jesus. <laughs> he wanted to see him. In fact, he was so willing to see him that he was willing to climb a tree. How many rich guys have you seen climbing trees? <laughs> I haven't seen a lot in my lifetime, but this guy was willing. He knew he needed Jesus, so he climbed a tree because he wanted to see him. But what's so cool about this story is Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus too. <laughs> Isn't that good news? None of us 
can run from God, that God pursues us, he loves us. And if God could change a guy like Zacchaeus, he can change you, he can change me. And that is what God is doing. He's in the transforming business. He's in the saving business. That's why he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And so he found Zacchaeus and he said, guess what? I'm going to your house today. (laughs) And so the very thing that Zacchaeus most needed, he was isolated, he was alone, he wasn't part of the community. He didn't have good relationships because he had been selfish. He had been ultimately selfish and he had pushed people away. But Jesus came to him and said, I'm going to your house today. And people were not happy about it. No one was happy that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. But Jesus wanted to transform Zacchaeus' heart. And this is what God wants to do in each of our hearts. He wants to move us from being consumers to being givers, to being people who can love others and put others needs above our own and so what we see in Zacchaeus in that moment while he's at the dinner table with Jesus and and experiencing what he knew he was missing his life community with people loving he stood up and said from now on I'm going to give away half my possessions and I'm going to give back to anyone I stole from I'm going to give back four times as much you see Zacchaeus's heart (laughs) the center of his heart moved from self to God He realized that God was the greater treasure, that in God there was love, in God there was fulfillment, in God there was delight. And he realized that material possessions were not the center place in his heart, but that he needed to use those things for a greater cause, a greater glory. And the greater glory was loving others. Now I want you to pay attention, this is important. In Zacchaeus, uh, or in Luke 19, listen to what Jesus says to Zacchaeus. I think we have it on the screen. Today, salvation has come to this house. And it's interesting. Pay attention to this. Jesus doesn't say, you're going to go to heaven now, Zacchaeus. And I, I believe Zacchaeus does go to heaven, and I believe we will go to heaven. But that is not the point. Listen to what Jesus refers to salvation. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Do you see where Jesus puts the emphasis? What was salvation for Zacchaeus? It was restoration to the community. He too could be a son. (laughs) He He too could be part of Abraham's family. Do you see what was missing in Zacchaeus' life? Do you see what we need and why Jesus came? To restore relationship with God and with each other. You too can be a son and daughter of God's. You too can be part of God's community, God's family. We're going to celebrate communion in a little bit. And Jesus shed his blood to create a new family. So how do we enter this community? It's not up to us. I think it's interesting that none of us got to choose our siblings, right? (laughs) Did any of you get to choose? (laughs) Sometimes I want to trade mine in, right? (laughs) But we didn't get to choose, right? It's blood that binds us together. And God says we are being adopted into a new family. And guess what? Even in adoption, you don't get to choose, (laughs) right? Someone chooses, invites you in. We are being adopted into a new family, but you don't get to choose who's in that family with you. So if you look around, there's people here who you have a lot in common with that are really easy for you to connect with. But there's also going to be people here that are going to be a lot harder, a lot different than you, than me. 
You don't get to choose your siblings, but you're still part of the family. <laughs> and so as we enter this community and as we are transformed like Zacchaeus from being selfish to unselfish, to being givers, to seeing the needs of others and not our own, then we understand what love is, that love is not about us, it's about what God wants to do through us to bless someone else. <laughs> we become conduits of blessing, conduits of love. And so we learn to live love out, just like in marriage and parenting, as Boomer talked, so too in the community of church. We also are learning to love. We're learning to deny ourselves and we're learning to see the needs of others. This is why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13. And the context is not in marriage, not in family, it's the church. If you go back, you look at it. It's about the family of God. It's about the people of God and how we can move from being consumers to being participants, givers. It's interesting, Kyle Eidemann wrote a book called Not a Fan and he used the sports analogy like today there's gonna be a lot of fans but there's only gonna be those guys in the field who are really gonna experience the glory of giving of themselves for a greater glory. Like, they're excited right now because they know they're gonna put it all on the line. They're gonna sacrifice their bodies, everything, for a greater glory. You see, Kyle says in this book that as a church, we're not to be spectators. <laughs> we're, not on the, we're not on the benches cheering. We are participants. God has a mission. He's called us to be disciples and to make other disciples. We have a part to play. And in the body of Christ, in 1 Corinthians 13, we see it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Wait, it doesn't say if someone else is patient or if someone else is kind, right? It just says love is. God is. We are to be these kind of people towards others. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. Then he goes on to talk about how giftings, the things that we bring to the table that are good, don't ultimately define us, and they shouldn't be the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing is love because he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But then when I became a man, I put childish things behind and now we are mature. We begin to see God's maturity in us. And this is love. The most deepest, profound thing we can learn as followers of Jesus is love. <laughs> This is, this is the ultimate goal. This is what God wants to do in transforming us, is to be the kind of people who can love, not based on what other people do or don't do, but because of who God is. We love because God is love. And this is what it looks like. This is why we were created in the image of God. Because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loves and glorifies the other, we too can live that way. We too can love and glorify the other because we see that God is that way and he is in us. And if he is in us, then this becomes possible. This becomes a reality. So two application points for us here at Rimrock Church. I wanna invite you to think about your role here at Rimrock Church, not just on Sunday mornings. Like I believe what we do here is important. Next Sunday, I'm gonna be talking about why we do this, why we come together on Sunday. 
But if we look at God's purpose and plan, we have to go deeper than just coming on Sunday morning. We need to be part of the community. We need to have those relationships where love can be worked out. And I believe that God has a purpose for all of us to be part of small communities where we can intentionally gather around God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit so that we can truly grow in God's love by practicing our worship, by caring for one another. As it says in Acts 2.42, it says, if anyone had a need, the church was there to care for them, to help them. We need that. I need that. You need that. This is God's plan and to serve others so that we don't become consumers and we don't come to church as saying, I like the music or I don't like the preaching or whatever. We come to church because we love God and we love people. And we experience that in a small way as we begin to build deeper relationships with others. And so over the next years, I really wanna develop a culture as a church where it's not just come on Sunday, but we're in relationship with one another. We have a community that we um, can worship with and that we can love and care and serve others with, not just ourselves, but serve our community. There's so many needs in the Black Hills area that God is calling us as a church to give of ourselves, to share with what God has given us with others. And here's a second area that I think um, God has uniquely called us here at Rimrock Church. And this began in my heart uh, many, many years ago as I thought about the reality of the the consumer uh, selfishness that is not only in our society, but has begun to to come into the church. And and the reality is I see it in myself and I see it all around me. And I say, God, what what can I do in my short life? As as a pastor, my my life feels so short and small, but I say, God, I wanna do something to point to your glory and who you are. And one of the things God began to show me is in preaching that instead of seeing it as only my role or something that that I had to do, but seeing the reality that it's in community that God's glory is best expressed because of who he is. And so I began to say, God, if I become a pastor, I want to be part of a church that allows us to do this in a team, in a place where it's not about me or my personality or what or my ego but it's about your glory and it's about your word and your spirit because that's where the power is it's not in the person bringing the message it's in who god is it's in god himself and so it's in a preaching team that i believe we can on this stage begin to try to practice this in a small way but not stay here, but in all of our lives as we do our ministries in our various areas that we see that we need each other, that we're not lone wolves, we're not self-made people, and it's not based on our gifting, but it's based on God's spirit and love and our together. And so in the preaching team, it takes a lot of work. It takes humility because we need to learn from each other. We need to grow together. We need to help each other. And we have different gifts in different ways that the Spirit works through us. But that's our way here at Rimrock where we're trying to express our vision of being a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. Because we have to deny ourselves and honor the other and see the other God work through them. And as we begin to do that, I believe the glory will go to God (laughs) and not to us. It will go to the Spirit of God and His work in us. And so that's one specific way for us here at Rimrock. I'm going to invite the servers to come up because we're going to take communion this morning.
I think it's significant that God gave us this practice to remind us not only of our relationship with Jesus, that he came and he sacrificed his life on the cross, but it's also about our relationships with others. If you think about it, the reason blood was shed is because blood has to do with our very identity as people. We can go take a test, each of you can take a test, and you can see who your ancestors were, who your father was, who your mother was, based on your blood. The blood is powerful. And it's in the blood of Jesus that the power of what we've talked about this morning becomes possible. It's through the blood of Jesus that love becomes possible. And it's through the blood of Jesus that we are bound together as a family, as a community in Christ. So I want you to take that cup and that bread and hold on to it. And we're going to come back together and take it together. <laughs>